1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Wild Wales, wherever in the world you are today. Uh, So today is October 6th. Uh, There's a lot of big macros going on in the world. I I think there's, you know, you got oil crises, you got all sorts of issues. Um, It's really hard to find much good news uh, in mainstream media, and that's irregardless of what country you're in. Crypto is currently in, in its bear market, which is, you know... Uh, Bitcoin's hovering right around that twenty thousand dollar stablecoin. It's been at for the last few months, um, but but again, I keep coming back to innovators are innovating, builders are building, and we're really starting to see what what is going to be the the first iterations of the next bull. Um, and that's why it's so important to talk to the entrepreneurs like Jenny and Michael that we have here with us today to really talk about what they're building, why, because we're going to be moving past in the entire Web three, um, you know, kind of asset class past this perception of perceived value, and we're going to be moving into this idea of real world utility. Um, and as soon as you start getting real world utility, you create real world value. And now you've actually caused to have a real ROI on, on investing or being in these projects. So I want to kick it over and really understand who who our guests are today. Um, so, so Jenny, would you mind just kind of giving us a little bit of your background and then Michael will go to you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jenny Diggles. I live in Denver, Colorado. And my whole background, my entire career has been focused on building things in emerging markets where there's really not a good understanding of whether it's technology or a regulated industry like cannabis. Um, it's rather gray. And that's where I've had the most fun figuring out what to build and what I'd like to do. So I've built um, a social media agency that was acquired by Deloitte Digital. I built iPhone app games that got me onto TV shows. And then I was in the cannabis industry for about eight years, uh, raising money, working actually with a lot of YPOers in building cannabis funds. Um, and that's actually where I met Michael and we started our journey together.
1: Absolutely fabulous. And Michael?
3: Um, yeah, I'm a physician, um, but uh, never really practiced. Um, as my mom's, uh, you're not a real doctor if you don't practice. And so I've never practiced. I'm kind of the same bent as, as Jenny, just kind of really like new technologies, really like to be involved, um, in what's kind of happening from, as you mentioned, from a macro level, you know, where things are going from a technology. So I put companies together, raised a lot of venture capital money, had one go public, you know, did really well. Had a bunch of failures, you know, just like anybody else. I learned from the failures, and uh, Jenny and I, you know, basically met over cannabis. So <laughs> here, <laughs> here we are. <laughs>
1: Hey, listen! It is uh, it's it's a new world, and and I love hearing that. Um, you know, one of the things you really uh, talked about a lot, Michael, is or you just mentioned here, is um, the, the fact that there are failures in in the space. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that's really important for anyone that's maybe spent some time or invested in the last bull uh, and find themselves in a very disappointed uh, position is to really take a look back and understand, you know, what was that coin that you invested in? What was that project, and who was really behind it? Because the difference that that I personally am seeing now over the last you know, six to twelve months is founders like yourselves that are mature, um, meaning that that you've you've done this before, you've had successes, you understand what failure is, um, and you under, understand how to mitigate that failure. But most importantly, that that you are coming about this with. Your faces on Zoom—that you're willing to put your brand, your name, and your stamp on this—and Jenny, you more than more than Michael in this case, uh, with, with your stamp on this—and I think that that's a really important kind of lesson or way to think about it. Um, have you guys found good, you know, kind of feedback from from people as you're entering the Web3 uh, ecosystems? Oh
2: yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, um, yeah. I think I think for sure, I, you know, the feedback that w- that we've gotten, and we have not out been out there kind of pushing things. We've just really taking our time putting this company together. And if I look at my back, you know, what happened to me and the company and the failures that I've had, it's always been because either we did things kind of too fast, didn't really think about it a lot, and the team was not good. You know, and this team that we put together um, is fantastic. I mean, it, it, it's fantastic. Even if we ne- necessarily don't necessarily have the bright business model now, although we think we do, this is a team that will in, be able to innovate out of it, and I've never had that before.
1: You know, I, I mean, love that. I, I always say you invest in the people and, yeah. and a little less in the project. Right. So, love hearing that you guys are so excited. And we're seeing again,
3: just to finish it off, and Web three, you know, that's coming. I hear that all the time from people that want me to talk someplace or you know whatever. You know that you guys have got something here that is. It, 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 if you, even if you don't do it even if there isn't a token and you don't do anything with crypto the premise of the company to use web3 and blockchain for moving healthcare data around is really something special. And mm-hmm. and again, it's taken us a long time to get here.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and it, the, de- the development cycles, while they're very fast yeah. in the space, um, also are a little bit longer because by the time you finish building something, there's been an evolution and, and you kind of kind of go from there. So, um, But let's let's dive right into exactly what Jenny Co. is. And I don't think there's anyone better than Jenny uh, <laughs> to talk about Jenny Co. And so if you'd sure. love to give that elevator pitch, we'd, we'd love to hear it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Jenny Co. is... A company that um, we're creating an app that allows people to collect and aggregate their medical records, their personal preferences, what they're doing to take care of themselves securely uh, and privately on a blockchain and earn rewards for making better changes in their life um, and for leasing their data compliantly and securely to parties that already would like to purchase it. So currently, most people don't realize that they have a lot of data that's floating around out there that other groups are profiting heavily off of. Um, But we see that there's a way better way for people to own that data, really make it work for them, um, and also receive back deep insights around their health so that they can constantly improve.
1: I love that, and and you know, for anyone that's listening in that that may not understand how bad it is, in in the healthcare industry when we talk about data, um, most people have heard the word HIPAA and some of these other ones, um, but I like to give an example of something happening recently where I, I personally had to go in for an MRI uh, on my neck, and and you know, doctor ordered it, and and they after the MRI they literally handed me a CD. <laughs> And they go, here. And I go, what do you want me to do with this? And they go, well, you have to drive it out to the doctor. And I I said, you... It's can't go online. They said no. We're not allowed to put any of these things onto any online service in any way, shape, or form. Um, and that that was literally like a month ago. So so this is an issue that exists today in this modern world where everyone there's an app for everything and, and everyone's in the cloud. Um, so I really think it's a prevalent informa- uh, you know kind of revolution that you guys are looking at and making happen. Michael, when you kind of think about the the you know the the best use case um, for this, you know who is it most affecting?
3: Well, again, I think we're benefiting, uh, there's kind of two parts to this company. There's the user part, you know, or the patient or client, if you will. And then there's the big company part, you know, on this side. And so our goal is really to um, empower the user um, to be able to get really high quality information about themselves by giving us data about themselves Um, And then, as as, as, has been mentioned, a way of potentially getting compensation for this data, either through interactions with a large company or through maybe their own little micro DAO or through, you know, a bunch of different ways for, for them to get information about themselves by using our system, whether it's buying a test from us whether it's doing a telemedicine consult with a dietitian, whether it's, you know, we want to make, we want to have them feel like that they're getting taken care of from a healthcare standpoint and their phone and their service on their phone is something they can trust. So we're all about trust, security, privacy. We've got a lot of experience with HIPAA and CDPR and a lot of these other, you know, frameworks that you need to put in place in order to be able to move data around, uh, you know, efficiently. And blockchain, you know, as, a, as far as a, a technology use case, we wouldn't be able to do it without blockchain. You know, it's, not, it's not possible. Um, and the immutability and the way the data is moved around on blockchain uh, just leads itself to some sort of you know, HIPAA-compliant solution, and that's what we're building.
1: Yeah. And I think that's really fascinating. And again, just as a quick reminder for anyone listening and, and may not understand, you know, web one was read. I mean, you can consume very well, uh, from data online, never had been able to do so before web two was read and write the ability to tweets, uh, Create a Facebook post, a MySpace page, whatever the case was. Suddenly, it's easy to to push data up into the cloud. And Web three is generally defined as read, write, own—the uh, ability to have true ownership that is immutable, mm-hmm. uh, meaning that is irrevocable and, and kind of uh, a given once once verified on, on a blockchain, any blockchain. Um, that that this is the data that is true, it's owned and it's verified by by multiple sources. Um, and what that does is create a really interesting, um, you know, new concept because you know I have. Medical data probably in dozens of, of various medical facilities all, yeah. all over the world. Right. I mean, Hundreds. You, 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 yeah, and, and and it's being facilitated, moved, shipped. I'm I've, my my DNA is in 23andMe, so God knows where it is. Um, but but that's a big difference. And Jenny, can you explain why you're it's a dynamic change from a web two world to to this blockchain web three?
2: For sure. World? I mean, to me in the web two world, one of the dynamics that exists is that uh, we were offered a lot of quote, free services, but we were the product. And so everything that we were engaging in, in social media or whatever, became a harvestable (laughs) product by those groups. That's why they're worth so much money. That's why they make so much money. That's what they're, they're selling is us and our data. And so to me, that shift to the Web3 world is a very dynamic shift that is now saying, you are in charge. You actually have something of value that you may have not realized is significant value. So why not claim some ownership of that and be able to use it the way that you see fit and give permissions where we want to, rather than not having an option. Like for example, Benjamin, my husband and I have been really complaining over the last couple of months over the number of spam calls coming through. And I'm just like, my God, like you would think that of all things, if it says spam risk, why is it still coming through to my phone? Well, out there somewhere, you know, whether I gave my phone number into my LinkedIn account or it ended up on Zoom you know, info, yeah. all of a sudden it's been resold hundreds of times, and so now I'm the one that has to deal with that. And so I love the Web three world for putting power back into the hands of people um, in order to say who has access and who doesn't.
1: I think that's a really important point. You know, about again, it's control. You've you've already got the data; it's already out there. So mm-hmm. now we're just saying, how can we? give you back ownership uh, and give you back control of things. Michael, what's the biggest misconception you guys have to deal with when you're, when you're pitching this, this concept to people?
3: Well, I mean, I think it, it's how you pitch it too. you know, if you go in and say, we've got this great token and it's going to do X and it's going to blah, blah, blah. It's immediately, it's like, okay, you know, um, but if we go in and say, look, we're, we're really a personalized public health company. That's giving ownership back, you know, to the user, um, I love that line that Jenny, you know, used about Web 2.0 is you are the product. Well, no, now Web 3.0 is the user is in control of all that stuff. Well, then that they immediately get that. I mean, the, at least you know the groups that are savvy enough about Web 3, you know, immediately get that whole premise. But when we all, but if they're not savvy about it, people really get the idea of you know we want to be your healthcare. Uh, uh, date, you know, healthcare source, so to speak. You know, we want to be able to give you recommendations. We want to be able to get, have you connect up to this provider, this provider, buy this lab test, you know, do all these kind of things, you know, in one spot. And that's an easy thing to explain too, you know? So, you know, from the public health standpoint, which is what we're really trying to do because, you know, chronic health in the U.S. is a third of our GDP, a third, you know, we're talking not billions of dollars, trillions of dollars, you know? And, we want to make a dent in that, you know, and to get people to move the dial on lifestyle and get them to eat the right things and, and do all, The only way, and I make jokes about this all time, but the only way to do that is to make sure there's some sort of reward mechanism in place, you know, for them. Once all that comes together and we're able to explain that, I think there, there isn't a group that isn't,
1: you know, potentially interested in this. Mm-hmm. No, that's. I mean, it's huge, and 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 again, I think that people really need to understand this is not a small problem. I always really, you know, I'm excited when I see entrepreneurs going after big problems. I mean, these this is a global issue um, that that no one and no you know there's multi billion dollar healthcare you know uh, conglomerates that have not solved this issue, and they've certainly tried. Um, but just to give a quick frame of reference, you guys can probably uh, rattle the number off. What's the total uh, addressable size of this potential market?
3: Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, um, it's everybody with a cell phone. So, so (laughs) so there you go. That's it. You know, and and, and, and when we're talking, you know, in in underserved communities, even in the U.S., but in Africa and Asia and whatever, you know, the only way the government can, you know, have any hope of getting any healthcare information back, you know, to the to the individual user, I mean, everybody's got a cell phone. You might be dirt poor, you know, and, and whatever, but you probably got a cell phone and it's probably a smartphone. And so if you can get information and get collect information back and give that, that person, you know, some sort of risk mitigation, you know, based on their healthcare, they're all for it. And so we get, we've had a lot of uh, uh, in, out, outside the United States groups come to us already and are interested in doing just that for their particular population.
1: Yeah, the U.S. is not very friendly um, right now towards towards most blockchain technologies or tokens. Mm-hmm. We we certainly are seeing quite a bit more of innovation o- overseas. Um, but I look at what you guys are, are proposing, and it it really is is very advantageous, and I think it's mm-hmm. it's right in line with. With where regulations are today, um, without diving into kind of you know theoretical uh, profits and all the things that we generally don't talk about on the show, can you just give an overview of the structure uh, of kind of how you set up uh, the, the the company and the tokens? Can
2: yeah. you want to do that? Or? Yeah, sure. So uh, something I think is really important to mention about the structure of our company is that um, we have a very traditional side of the business, you know, where we have tests that are sold we have revenue from the app we have uh companies that will give us actual money to get access to the people who are in the system and then we have the platform which uses you know tokens as a way of of flowing throughout the system so it's much easier in a way for us to use tokens than to try to go fiat especially as we look at an international marketplace that we're dealing with right now so the way that tokens are largely used inside of our economy is Uh, people who are using the Jenico app, as they're updating it, as they're adding information, they're getting rewarded for that data with tokens. And then they can use those tokens and join different pools, different DAO pools, and they can stake their own tokens against different studies and earn rewards for that. Every single partner that comes to us that wants to gain access to the data of these people they will be using tokens in order to facilitate that. So they'll have different amounts that they may be coming in with. So a partner may say, hey, we're looking for a group of 50 people with diabetes who are males between the ages of 30 and 50. And we want to do a study of them and some of what they're eating, what they're doing, whatever it may be. And so they would essentially pony up tokens in exchange for those people's data. So that's that's really the one of the primary ways we're using it. Um, did I miss
3: anything in there, Michael, that you want to add? No, I mean the, the the overall structure of the company, as Jenny said, there's kind of two parts for it. There's a traditional side and there's the DAO. You know, we're we're a for people that don't know what that is, a decentralized autonomous organization, right? That's basically governed by people that are in uh, the DAO. You know, so it's a people, people, it's the people, you know, it's 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 the commie thing. <laughs> you know, it's people are actually running 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 the DAO. And and so <laughs> Uh, which means you, you know, the users or, or whomever we, you know, decide to do that. And so um, that's a very different structure than, you know, potentially, you know, uh, uh, what typical companies do. You know, we do have um, the structure of the DAO, you know, for governance, what's called governance. But we also do have, you know, the the structure of a of a traditional company, you know, when it comes to, stock ownership and things like that so it's kind of a combination of two things you know put together
1: yeah, and I love that model. And Just for anyone that's that's kind of referencing, and Michael, I, I I'm going to disagree with you slightly on on you know kind of is is the DAO governance you know kind of uh, you know that that structure. I'm not even going to say the name. Um, I think it really empowers your your power yeah. users, um, the, your heaviest users, to have a voice, which is something that's never happened before. And I think that's one of the right. biggest wins that we're going to have in, in Web3. Is imagine that if with every uh, Coca-Cola product you, you bought, you got a, a little Coca-Cola coin, um, no value. To, to No, there's no intrinsic value to it. But when you when they came out and said, "Hey, uh, you know, please vote for if we what it should be the next Coca-Cola flavor be lemon lime or grapefruit," um, you know that that the heaviest consumers of these products have some sort of voice. And Mm -hmm. so I really do tell you guys, like I love the idea. I you know I'm a huge Dow proponent, and I love the concept of if you have people that are generally using your product and love your product, they should have a voice and they should be able to kind of unify. And as you say, create micro DAOs of which they're mm-hmm. able to kind of bring this up and go through with it. Instead of having, and, and what happens in a lot of cases, I, I can point right at Twitter because they're going through it right now, a board of people that have no ownership, not, they're not right. the power users. They're not the ones there, but they're making all the decisions for everyone mm-hmm. else. And I think that what you've, what you've done um, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you've kind of blended the two models. So there still is a day-to-day operator, uh, operational source to make sure that the company's flowing, everything's going from there, but some large, you know, kind of roadmap decisions, you're at least getting the insight from the people that are utilizing your platform. Is that correct?
2: Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would also add that in a way we as an organization play a little bit of a role of a, as a gatekeeper. So if a pharmaceutical company comes to us and is like, hey, we're looking for a certain information, we want to make sure that we are giving them access in a way that is compliant, that they don't get to keep the data, that they're not you know, copying people's information and then just run away with it and use it again. Um, and so we do kind of play a role there in the middle to make sure that as we have this two-sided marketplace, this, this two-sided business, that it works, that the bridge between the two is, is sound and that it works for the people who are involved as well as the companies who are involved.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. And and we, and we did that on purpose, you know, uh, Jenny mentioned the kind of, because, you know, whether we like it or not, um, healthcare um, it's uh, people, people trust healthcare if, if there's, if they feel like there's people in charge that know what they're doing, you know, it's just, that's just, you know, a, a healthcare thing, you know, and, and, and so on, on the, the, the structure of the company side, we have doctors involved and we have, you know, uh, PhDs and, you know, people that are, that have been in the healthcare industry, you know, that, that understand the compliance and understand, you know, all, all the intricacies of it. And it is a complicated industry, you know, it's, and legacy structures and whatever, archaic and, you know, Um, this is a a, a potentially big idea that we couldn't have even done five years ago because the technology wasn't even wasn't available. You know, we needed a layer zero blockchain. You know, we needed, uh, you know, government. We needed all this stuff to be able to do that. And and it just kind of all came together, you know, within the last year or two. Mm -hmm.
1: And and a heavily regulated industry as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I I think there's a lot of that's why I'm yeah. so excited about you know what you guys are doing because there's so much value, um and and I've heard you know very vari- variations of of this before, um but I, I think your approach is very interesting in the fact that you guys do have some uh, revenue models built in that you're you know not just saying hey we're we're passive you know push us the data and and we're here for you um, talk a little about some of these offerings that you guys are doing and and where in the roadmap those kind of come in. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple,
2: yeah. Oh, you you go ahead, Michael.
3: No, I mean, we, we you know, we basically, uh, the, the user um, will sign up for our uh, our app, our mobile app, and and the website, we know, whatever, the system, the platform that we put together. Um, and the mobile app, we have a, a, a first version of that, which is not launched, but the minimal viable product of that would be in the next month or two. So uh, if you want to call it an alpha or a beta or whatever, that's going to be... Uh, available you know for for users Um, and um, in in this app and on the website um, you'll be able to give us data Uh, we'll be able to take that data and and help help make recommendations for you about certain things whether it's you know food or exercise or or you know surgery or whatever you know whatever we decide that that is that is you know potentially useful you know with doctor's oversight in there you'll have the ability to talk to a doctor if you want or or a pharmacist or whatever um and so that kind of capability that the board the the, the initial capability uh, won't be all built out you know to everything that will be like but it's it's it, it will have enough capability in there to keep the users engaged and then they have the ability to buy things on there too do they need a vitamin D test, or do they need a DNA test? You know, we will have that ability for you to to do that. You know, through our Shopify accounts, and so we're doing deals with large large lab companies and DNA company, and you know, people that want to be in our system, not just um, uh, on the laboratory side, just you know, to be able to, for us to be able to you know uh, uh, provide the tests, but they're also interested in the data. You know, they're interested in the data that we generate that links into these potential, you know, lab tests and what that actually means. So there is a component of the large companies that are, that are talking to us um, that they're interested in mining the data too. Um,
2: Everybody's so interested in
3: mining, health, you know, and healthcare no, yeah. data m- means a lot of things now. You know, it can mean credit card information. It can mean, you know, what floor you're living on. You know, do you live in a smoggy city or, you know, do you walk to work? All that stuff means something. Right. And, and so the AI component of this machine learning component, and that's kind of the industry I come out of um, is very interesting, you know, to be able to build something like that. that's also, that's also blo- kind of blockchain.
1: Um, yeah. And I mean, the, the, the great thing about blockchain is just that, 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 Removing of friction from anywhere in the world, you know, there's no, there's no, and you said it before, there's no currency exchanges and and, and it's suddenly, you know, I can turn on Zoom anywhere in the planet and it just works. Um, say I want to send money to anywhere in the planet and it starts getting pretty complicated uh, or, or you know, kind of sending data in a variety of sources. Um, one of the things I think is really interesting that you touched on a second ago, uh, Jenny, is is telehealth. Um, I I think that, you know, we're going to be seeing a dynamic change with the uh, younger millennials and the Gen Zers um, that they just go, yeah, there's something wrong, but I'm not going to go anywhere. Um, You know, and and we've also seen kind of sometimes you can't go anywhere. How does that uh, fit into your guys' what you guys are building and how does that work?
2: Um, That's a pretty, you know, we we really want to have telemedicine as an option within the app. So if people do need to access something or get some advice, they can easily do it. I think that, Going to the doctor has always been kind of a scary thing. Like even just going in for a checkup, it's like, oh no, you know, is something going to be wrong? Or even the process of going into the doctor's office can be so irritating. You know, you're just waiting for forever. You're sitting in a room. Somebody comes in, talk to you for five minutes. They're like, what do you need? And they leave. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the worst case example. But I feel that by giving people more consistent access to telemedicine and other options for for specialists, it will empower people that if something seems slightly off, to actually just take the step right then. They don't need to get in the car. They don't need to find a doctor. They can do it all through the app. And so I feel it will empower people to start making choices earlier and changes if needed. Um, and so, yeah, we, we really want to integrate with um, telehealth within the app to make it as easy as possible.
3: Yeah. And the information flow is also bi-directional. You know, the docs Mm -hmm. are interested in getting this data that we're collected and maybe it's streaming in front of him while he's talking, you know, to the patient. Maybe you get a blood pressure result or how many steps did you do or what did you eat or blah, blah, blah. You know, that's all used for information from the physicians or the pharmacist or whomever you're talking, dietitian, whomever you're talking to, you know, are interested in that in that stuff to, you know, to help the patient as well. You know, so, you know, we, we, we have a way. Uh, you know, we think we have a way of being able to collect a lot of very valuable dynamic. I mean, I read the, I read a paper the other day where they're able to predict now whether you're going to get Alzheimer's disease by, if you're paying your credit card payments, you know, and and there's some algorithm. I mean, that's the, the, and you know, I I was astonished, you know, I don't, I haven't paid my credit card in like 25 years. And so I probably have (laughs) Alzheimer's, right. You know, you know what I'm saying? You know, who would have thought? I guess you know the thought probably. Who would have thought that that was you know even even possible? But it is. You know, there's there's just a lot of things now mean mean you know have some meaning within your wellness. You know how how you do. Th- you know how your body's.
1: Yeah, and, uh, and I think that, that you bring up a really good point. And so while we're on the top of kind of like personal health, um, mm-hmm. you know, my favorite thing is you walk into any ER and generally there's a reason you're going to an ER, and they start <laughs> asking you questions. You know, are you allergic to anything? I, I don't think so. <laughs> what are you about to give me for my issue of which I'm having a problem with? And so the, these are the problems that you know, emergency rooms and everything else are, are you know have have code you know code issues all the time when someone just does not know they are allergic to something. Mm-hmm. It's in a chart somewhere in a doctor's office. But but for those of us that are you know kind of Gen X and uh, really Gen X and, and and older, all of our childhood medical data is gone. Like, yeah. gone. Any issues gone. That, that we could possibly think of um, that, that could have, you know, been, you know, that those precursors to a, a serious disease later in life, that even using AI, even using the most, uh, you know, amazing amounts of data is just, poof, gone. You're never going to find it. You, hopefully, you have a folder in your in your, uh, in your your house with it. Because if you don't, you can go back to the hospital you were born in. They're going to be like, eh, here's yeah. the date and time. That's all we got. Any issues that were surrounded, any files about the time you broke your leg when you're five years old. Um no idea. And so I think that what you guys are really proposing is something that is is critical um, for the longevity of of the human species, which is the fact wow. that that's every good. well you yeah, like this. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to use no, that one. Yeah. Yeah, there, well, there's on. a, yeah, that's a new disclaimer. Time. Yeah, disclaimer not a uh, I, I'm not Jay an investor, i have no monetary. This. Yes, there you go. Uh, we we've, we've ruined the podcast clip here so. But but what I'm the point that I'm getting at here and I really want to make sure I understand is the, the thought that all of my data whether it's I took a couple Advil you know or, or, you know on a you know I want to put in that I, I'm taking two Advil a night because I'm going to sleep with a headache um, or or some issue that I, that I had a couple of years ago but it all should be able to be scanned by AI you know today or in the future like you said Jenny to, to find some of these precursors that we may not know but we know it's coming down down the pipe and for those of us that that do pay our credit cards every month michael um yeah. <laughs> but do have a history of of alzheimers or dementia in our family you know anything that we could do to to help us not only know what's coming but to help find relief or cures really should it is a priority um it, yeah
2: absolutely yeah absolutely i mean it's it, for myself uh I, a couple of years ago i went through um i had I had a doctor i was seeing and she was fabulous. She actually had me do a series of rather in depth tests. I mean, everything about me was pretty much tested my DNA, my blood, everything. And I thought, when I went to her, I thought I just may have had a vitamin D deficiency. I was just feeling a little off. And what she found within that was that I have a couple of genetic mutations. And one of them uh, one of them doesn't allow me to methylate, which means that I can't process even like a regular B12. My body doesn't do anything with it. But the one that was really detrimental to me was that I don't have a gene that allows me to process heavy metals. So I, I can't produce an antioxidant called glutathione. So with that, my heavy metal rates were out of control, which was leading to these feelings of anxiety, tiredness, brain fog. And she she immediately got me onto a protocol that allowed me to eliminate those heavy metals from me. And I felt so different. I was like, wow, if I hadn't known this, what would have happened? And eventually what happens if people don't identify that is they end up with what they think may be ALS or these other degenerative diseases that all stem from metal just being locked in the brain and not being able to fire properly. So the body stops working. I'm like, wow, this is really incredible. And it was such a simple thing. I just take a supplement now. That's it. Like, (laughs) no big deal. So if people can have better data and insights about themselves, I believe that with that, we can actually make choices. It's hard to make a choice if you don't have information. Otherwise, it's kind of a spray and pray. I don't know. I think these things are good for me. I think I might need this. So to empower people, I think, is a a big deal. And then people own those decisions rather than adopt doctor saying to you, you have to do this because I think it's the right thing. I was able to see for myself, wow, if I don't do this, I can see where this road ends. So I, I really want to empower people to know themselves a whole heck of a lot better.
1: Michael, how are we, how are you, not we, were you going, going <laughs> to protect users' data? How, how are, you know, when, when people are concerned about things online, and one of the reasons that most healthcare have not put um, you know this data online is because they can't guarantee um, you know that, that it would be compliant with HIPAA and be safe. So that's why they hand me this the CD-ROM because even then they know most likely I don't own a, a disk drive to even read the disk, which was a no problem in and of itself. <laughs> what and, the hell is a disk drive? Yeah, <laughs> so it's like hand, hand hand me a floppy disk and it's guaranteed safe. Um, but but Michael, how how are you guys managing uh, to to ensure that your platform is safe and secure that, that they add it. To- yeah so, we, supposed to be. yeah, so we.
3: Yeah, so we do have a public alliance with uh, uh, Arizona State with their blockchain group, and they are world class. Um, you know, this is a, a dragon and his group, and they have built, um, uh, in in partial, they have built a HIPAA compliant blockchain solution. Uh, the only one, you know, that that we know of that also can use Layer Zero. Um, you know, so we've got kind of two components, you know, to this, uh, to ensure that we're getting the right data and then the blockchain, because it's HIPAA compliant and CDPR and, the, and you know, have, have certain permissions, you know, on it that are, um, healthcare, you know, related, um, and, and being a blockchain, you know, the data that once it moves through there is immutable and, and you, you as the user, um, we'll be, that'll be explained, obviously. And so the privacy and security components also include the ability of the user to delete anything that they want to delete. So if you want to delete all your data, boom, it's gone. You know, you have that ability to do that. Um, so the the system is in place. And then the storage of a lot. I mean, a third of all data generated on a daily basis is healthcare data. So, you know, that's a exabytes and exabyte. I don't even know. It's so much... I read a paper the other day that 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 claims that healthcare data, all healthcare data, now doubles every three days. <laughs> you know, it used to be three months. You know, ten years ago, now it's every three days. There's so much generated, right? So um, you know, the cloud storage and whatever also has to be, you know, HIPAA compliant, CDPR compliant, fight you know, Rule for rules, whatever. So we got all that built in there. And, again, as you know, there's nothing more regulated than healthcare, you know, but but because of the ability to have a blockchain that's decentralized, that really, you know, helps with the idea of security and immutability, and which you mentioned earlier.
1: Mm-hmm. Love that. So. Jenny, as as you kind of look at, at at growth and expansion and adoption, where's the first places that you're gonna you're gonna start trying to get adoption? You know, who's the first users mm-hmm. that really will benefit right off the bat from this platform?
2: You know, it's really interesting because we're launching inside of this this crypto Web three space. We obviously have a whole pool of people who are very interested in the project because of that lens. Uh, but as a team, since we recognize this is much bigger than just um, just that group. How do we start to talk to and find the other appropriate groups? So one of the angles that we're actually taking is looking at orphan diseases and what orphan diseases are. There's a whole collection of things that just don't get a lot of attention. But there are a lot of people in this country who struggle with them. So what we're going to do is really try to start going after a lot of these groups that have these orphan diseases, bringing them in so they can start to find support and community among each other. Uh, And then we also have, because of this alliance that Michael mentioned with Arizona State University, that's the largest university in the United States. I think there's, what, 100,000 students there, something like that. And so, yeah, I think it's even more. I mean, 120. And so that's also another launchpad for us is looking at college students. They're a group of people who are so comfortable using their cell phones they're comfortable sharing data and they also need money. <laughs> they wanna earn, they wanna you know, make something for what they're contributing and doing. So you know, we're, we're looking at a couple of groups to get started. And as we really look at this grow, we feel that like Michael said very early on, this applies to everyone with a cell phone. Um, and ideally what I would love to see is that there are people who are using this app and are getting direct value out of it that's impacting their health, their day to day, and even what they could be earning if they wanna go that route. And they don't even need to know that there's blockchain involved or that it uses, you know, cryptocurrency, that they're just stoked that their stuff's there and they feel safe about it. Um, So we're really going after, I would say, a very mass market approach. But uh, we, we definitely are. We have a lot of the Web3 crypto people who are very interested in this as well.
1: And I agree that the technology blockchain should just be invisible. So I I like Mm that the the fact you have this approach versus you're not saying, so you're going to download a MetaMask wallet then you are going to (laughs) learn Ethereum and then we're going to do, we're going to do some DeFi exchanges, uh, you know, over to, to a layer zero and then finally up to, I mean, it's (laughs) so 15 users then, you
2: know, it's just too
1: hard. (laughs) then you're Decentraland with 30, 30 average users a day. Um, yeah. Michael, where's your your biggest challenges that you you see technologically that you've got to overcome? You know, really before before Genico can kind of get that mainstream adoption.
3: I think getting you know getting the um, uh, obviously the blockchain. You know, but we have we have every all the pieces in place for us to be able to build that right. And uh, layer zero is really important. You know, the state channels when that's available, that's another you know technology that. That is super important for us. So, you know, each one. Uh, I, I think uh, if you look at, at the big picture, we're not inventing new physics here. You know, we're just taking a bunch of pieces from a bunch of different places and kind of putting it all together. You know, into a system. And a lot of these pieces have already been verified in their own little, little, little area. Uh, you know, and we know what the rules are. You know, we know what the HIP. We know all that. You know, those kind of things. And so we're building stuff. Um, that we have a very good feeling for will uh, pass the test, you know, so to speak. Pass the regulatory test, pass the security test, pass the privacy test, you know, <laughs> pass Math 24 and college, whatever, whatever test <laughs> that, that, that we have to pass, you know, in, in, in order to. And we're, and we're getting physicians involved, you know, we're getting healthcare personnel, we're getting groups of physicians. That 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 you know know that you know the most valuable data in all of healthcare is outcome data. It's like, did this food work, did the drug work, did this? And the physicians are sitting on a lot of that. You know, the average um, physician practice in the US single practitioner has about eh, thirteen hundred patients, you know, in his database. It's a lot of information. You know, and he knows that maybe for this guy, you know, drinking Pepsi Cola worked for his diabetes, although it's unlikely. But, but for this guy, it worked. For somebody else, there's no way, you know. And, you know, the insurance companies have, have all put out data about that if, we, if you look at every outcome, all healthcare outcomes, it's about 30 to 40% based on your genetics and about 60 to 70% based on lifestyle, period. Hmm. Can't do anything about the genetics. But you can do things for your lifestyle that 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 revolve around changing how the genes are are turned on and turned off and what they actually do, right? And that that's kind of part of the methylation thing that, that Jenny talked about earlier. You know, this whole idea of of of, of doing something you know impacts your your own DNA um, is very validated.
2: Yeah, I think I'd add to that. One of the other technological things that we will that is a, a big lift. But I think one of the a very key component is our machine learning and AI within the app. And, you know, that is the kind of thing where we want it to be um, excellent. We want someone to feel like they're getting such personal recommendations that are impacting them that they look forward to opening it up to see like, well, what else can I add to it? So that it might be giving me even better insights to myself. We really want to own that in house. We want to keep that something that's very important to us. So we're not, you know, outsourcing that aspect of what we build um, because it feels really critical in terms of how people will feel they're engaging and getting feedback.
3: Yeah. That's, the a, app. that's a really good point. Um, and, and, and uh, another one point is that we know from what's published in the literature and whatever that individual users actually trust what they get from their technology more than they trust the doctor. Mm. (laughs) That's just the way it is. And especially generation, whatever has generation Z and Z1 or whatever, you know, (laughs) they just would rather get stuff on their
1: Device. They'd rather trust uh, WebMD mm-hmm. than the actual doctor, right? And I
3: hear that from my yeah. doctor friends. You know, I have real doctor friends all the time. You know, I don't have any, uh, you know, people that I'm in competition with. My competition is Doctor Google, right? Or mm-hmm. Doctor X, or Doctor. You know, it's basically the the internet. You know, um, and 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 how reliable that potential information is. And so we want people to feel like that they're what we're giving them is really reliable.
1: Mm. Awesome. Awesome. Really, again, I'm, I'm really impressed with what you guys have done. Um, I think that what you guys have, have built has big implications for the world. Uh, you know, and obviously now, now the hard work is done. You have the concept, you have the framework, you got to go build this thing and it's going to take time, energy and, and quite a bit of capital. Um, but, you know, with that, with that being said, your focus is very clearly on this, um, and, but there's always other macros. There's a lot of things that are happening in the world that can distract you, regardless of whether you do everything perfect or not. Um, you know, Michael, what are you, what's your kind of thoughts around where Web3 or, or anything, you know, kind of in general is, is, is going right now?
3: Yeah, so um, obviously a very provocative question. I mean, um, it's not going away. Yeah, <laughs> number one, um, and 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 number two, I hear this over and over again from people that are in the Web three space, uh, from either venture capitalists or um, you know other, you know people that are running conferences or whatever. Uh, th- they look at the the projects, not just ours, but the projects that are coming out that actually have real utility. Um. And real use cases and real potential monetization cases as the projects that are gonna win. That was not the case five years no. ago or whatever. Yeah. It, six wasn't,
1: years it ago. wasn't the case five months ago. Five months
3: ago. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to be I was trying to be kind. You know?
1: There's um, a lot there's a lot of pictures of uh, monkeys out there that, that yeah, uh, I was gonna
3: say that too, but I'll leave them. that up to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so 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 um, uh, and and you know, as you again mentioned earlier, healthcare is very provocative, right? It is the biggest you know potential area in technology that is ripe for innovation. You know, for for a way to um, uh, use all these fancy digital technologies, if you will, and benefit uh, the user. Um, so that's not me making this. This is what I hear over and over again, you know, from, yep. from, so that's my alpha drop, if you will. There you go. You good, 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 <laughs> yeah. good
1: information. Uh, Jenny, any, any deep yeah. thoughts or, uh, or yeah, go for it.
2: I feel like we are um, at a really important time in the web three world. I feel like we have seen a lot of companies, projects, tokens come out that really aren't tied to anything. I mean, the 2018 number of ICOs that happened was insane. And the number of projects that still exist is very small. But where we are now is to echo what Michael said. I feel that we are in a time where people need to see that the company that is using this technology, that is issuing a token, actually has a real business. That it has a real business model that is real in the world. It's not this airy-fairy out there kind of just in the web. um, And it has some meaning, but all these things that people have done to this point still matter. They have paved a road that makes it a little bit easier for us to go down and learn from other people. Even all the pictures of the apes out there. I think of that like beanie babies when, as soon as that all thing, I was like, Oh, this is just like beanie babies where people get really hyped up about owning the princess Diana beanie baby bear. And then you fast forward and it's worth nothing, (laughs) but it played a role. And, you know, so that technology will play a role for us as well, potentially not in terms of, you know, pictures of apes. But I feel we're at a really pivotal time. I feel that a company that can be born in the bear market is going to be a stronger company moving forward than those that were born in the very soft, fluffy, very uh, overly, you know, pumped era. So I'm really proud that this is where we're heading and that the feedback we're getting is that people want to use the product, that it's not just about the token or the blockchain.
3: Yeah, it's interesting about your bear market content. Do you know that the five big companies, Amazon, Apple, Google, uh, Microsoft, Facebook, all of them were founded in a bear market? All Mm
1: -hmm. of them. Right. it's it is the um, maelstrom of innovation <laughs> it's yeah. generally when a lot of generally when a lot of layoffs happen um, mm-hmm. meaning people out of work the developers don't sit around and play video games yeah. shockingly no. they just start building they start innovating they start thinking of things and when you when you put a bunch of developers in a room together with no perceived you know uh, function or no perceived you know notion of, of what structure should they do they just want to build cool stuff um, you actually get cool stuff mm-hmm. um, versus when you put them in a room pay them and say I want you to build this because it's the most high it's the highest ROI that we can possibly get in the shortest amount of time and so I really like I said I'm excited to see where this goes um, you have a massive technical lift that you guys are going to have to do and I'm glad you got 120,000 ASU students uh, that, that are going to knock it out for you um, but when people want to know more they want to uh, you know kind of try it out and, and like I said I volunteered you can you can, I'll give you some DNA and we'll we'll see how it goes um, preferably a little spit is is uh, there not some blood where can people find you guys uh,
2: so our website is jennyco.com and um, So that's where kind of the main hub of everything is. From there, there's links to all of our social. You name it. You know, if if it exists up there, we probably have a profile. Uh, So I think that's really the main place people can go to find out more about us. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to me personally, my email is just jenny at jennyco.com. Um, and so maybe I shouldn't be putting that out on the internet, but I don't mind. <laughs>
1: this is, there
2: you go. <laughs> this will be, uh, you know, more that's only spam for you. Yeah. yeah, more spam for me.
1: <laughs> you, you couldn't use your phone now. You won't be able to use your,
3: uh, I your, know. your email. It my works, work email's got to
2: change. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, my, this. yeah, same thing. You know, my email is just michael at com. She's you the Jenny and co, by the way.
1: I, I figured. I figured okay. as much, um, guys. I want to say thank you so much for swinging by. Um, really, it's it's fascinating to hear. You know, we we've talked to a lot of people that are that are in you know healthcare and blockchain, uh, web three type technologies, and I think that you guys have a very interesting value proposition, and you are really doing uh, a lot to empower users um, to to really control their data. So I think it hits one of our core fundamentals, which is ownership uh, of your data online and, and the ability to kind of have control over these things. Uh, so I applaud you guys, and, and really, we'll be watching over the next few years. Uh, to to see how this goes mainstream. So uh, for Y Whales, this is uh, Jenny Co with uh, Jenny and Michael. We'll see you guys next time. Thank
2: Thank you. you.
0: Y Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWales Whales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show and your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com.